0: The Love Good Podcast is brought to you by our patrons. On top of being a media discovery platform and crowdfunding initiative, we are a grassroots movement that accompanies young people and artists who are transforming culture with beauty. Our patrons are on the front lines of discovering the world's best new music, books, and art before anyone else. Build the culture you've always imagined. Join the movement and become a patron today at lovegoodculture.com.
1: Welcome, everybody, to the Love Good Podcast. This is your host, Jimmy Mitchell. We are recording here in Nashville, Tennessee. What a joy it has been to just see our pilot episode from last week take off. So many incredible people from around the world listening to it, giving us really beautiful reviews. We're just feeling quite honored, quite humbled by the gift that it is to share this mission, this mission of Love Good with the greater world, uh, with a, a world that is, in fact, like us, hungering for beauty and longing to transform culture from the inside out. So if that's something that you're into, you've come to the right place. This particular episode, we're going to sit down again with our trusted co-host, Jenea Trudell. Last week, we interviewed her as an artist, but then we introduced her as the co-host for this entire upcoming season. It's going to be a real privilege to continue the dialogue with her, specifically today about accompaniment, the art Of accompaniment. What does it really look like to come alongside others and join them in their pilgrimage through life in a way that is forward moving, in a way that is fruitful? Our special guest for this particular episode is Catherine Cimarelli. She's a part of an internationally known and often celebrated. A pop group called Cimarelli. That's that's actually Catherine and five of her sisters who travel the world and have hundreds of thousands of people tracking their work at any given moment on social media. And she just has a heart of gold. I cannot wait to talk to her about silence, about poetry, and then also about accompaniment. Even for an artist who stands on a stage in front of thousands of people, what does it look like to faithfully come alongside to actually be an authentic relationship far beyond social media, to really share life with others well. This is going to be an incredible show. And for all those who have not yet heard about it, we have a brand new free Love Good Sampler. All you got to do is go to lovegoodculture.com, type in your name, your email address, and your zip code, and we'll immediately send you a sampler of music, a book excerpt, as well as art, a digital version of the art that we've actually commissioned for our December package to patrons. So it's really going to be a very, very special thing uh, to go download, to share with your friends, and know that this next song you're about to enjoy from Mike Mangione, the song is writing down. It's actually track one of the sampler. So sit back and enjoy. Again, welcome to the Love Good Podcast. This is your host, Jimmy Mitchell. We are at the beginning now of episode two of our inaugural season, and I'm here with our newly announced co-host, Janae Trudell. Hi. We're really excited, (laughs) Janae. I mean, this is the beginning of something great. I I don't know that I saw it coming. I mean, obviously, we've been friends for a few years now. For the last few months, we've been collaborating pretty hardcore in this Mm -hmm. complete relaunch of Love Good, not just the vision, but even all the digital platforms and marketing. I mean, it's been intense, and I'm actually just so pleased that not only are you still around, but actually, like, you've now committed to the next few months of your life, putting out new episodes Mm. after new episodes of the Love Good Podcast, so thanks.
2: Oh, you're so welcome. It's awesome. So exciting for me. It's really cool.
1: We've had a lot of amazing reviews come in uh, immediately, actually, by way of emails, text messages, tweets, people really from three continents that I'm connected to Mm. who went on and on about you, obviously. And the music that they're looking forward to having themselves come December when they receive it as a Love Good patron. Mm. But also lots of other people who are just so eager to talk about beauty and the implications that beauty has in a world that's really crying out and hungry Mm -hmm. and and needy and actually in in many cases just feeling a bit tired Mm -hmm. of the, the culture or perhaps the the media, the mainstream media that we all have access to. So it's just been really fun to get this conversation going. Uh in case you forgot or you missed the first episode, Janaya Janae, as we sometimes call her. <laughs> <laughs> She's from Saskatchewan, Canada. That's that's nowhere near Nashville, Tennessee, is nowhere it?
2: Nowhere near. Like, how long did
1: it take you to drive down here back in August? Three full, long days uh-huh. in the heat. In the heat. Yeah, mm-hmm. it just kept getting hotter as you moved further oh, yeah. south. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's snowing back home, I'm assuming. Oh, Yes. That's crazy. We did have a threat of snow here in Nashville this past weekend, which blew my mind because I was in Tampa and did not see that coming (laughs) because I was in shorts and a T-shirt when I showed up at the airport in Nashville on Sunday morning coming in from Florida, and it was freezing. Mm -hmm. So I hope that was a nice little homecoming moment for you. (laughs)
2: It was. I was laughing with delight the first time I could see my breath (laughs) in the air, but um, it's nice that it's warmer. Mm -hmm. So in
1: my mind, it is actually sort of incredible that there are months at a time where I'm assuming you could be within driving distance of ski slopes. Is that... Yeah,
2: yeah. well, in Saskatchewan, you're quite far from anything
1: Mm, above 10
2: feet above the ground. Uh But, um, oh yeah, snow everywhere.
1: Uh, Very different from the hills of Tennessee, isn't it?
2: So different.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I tell you, it's been really fun over the last few days to get this series, really this flood of text messages and tweets and emails from friends all over the world, Mm -hmm. three continents, Mm -hmm. just singing your praises specifically. (laughs) So excited about the vision of this podcast, but really just deeply inspired and I think very much encouraged by your witness, by your artistry, by the stories that we were able to hear last week in the interview that we did with you, but also the clips that people heard. Like, for example, this morning a text message came in and somebody was just almost moved to tears listening to Grace Guy, which mm-hmm. was so much of my. Memory the first time I heard that song as well. So just know that we're, we're glad that you're in the saddle here <laughs> as the co host. And I think, as much mm-hmm. as anybody, I'm just thrilled to see where, where things go in this upcoming season. So today we're talking about accompaniment. As a movement, um, we realize how important it is to not just put great media out there or even just simply invite people into great media. In fact, we want to do more than even just fund great music, books, and art. We want to come alongside people. Mm -hmm. And that's as much true of our patrons as it is artists, as it is the young people that we serve day in and day out through just being engaged in local community. So I don't know. What does that word mean to you? Because up until about a year ago, I'm not sure I had ever given the word accompaniment a second thought.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's one that's been for me a growing, (laughs) like growing deeply in my heart to spent the past four years at a really small uh college in saskatchewan called saint therese um and that is just the heart of it is accompaniment this like journey shared um one of my one of my favorite movies and it's a bit rough around the edges it's called local color about um an old artist mentoring a younger one and um he talks about uh, the whole purpose of life and purpose of art is a journey shared and without that it's not, it's nothing, it's empty and it's standing alone and it's not affecting anyone else. So I've just had the grace to, to be able to walk alongside people who are younger and peers and older than me, um, in certain roles that I've been in the past few years, but also just have like been loved into life by people who've silently sometimes, and sometimes really firmly like taken me under their wing and, Um, not stood behind me and kicked me forward and not stood in front of me and, like, dragged me along, but just really patiently walked with me. Um, And I've had musicians do that, too, like, distantly (laughs) that I've never met in my life, that just through the way that they share their gift have somehow welcomed me in, like, to their heart in a really real and direct way. Um, And that's kind of what I have hoped to do with mine, too, and my life beyond my music. That's something that, you know, if I was to lose an arm tomorrow or something or my voice would be gone, would just that that call of accompaniment would still remain for me?
1: I suppose I never thought about it until just now, as you put it this way. But accompaniment, in many ways, heals a very deep wound in society today, which is the wound of isolation. Mm-hmm. People mm-hmm. feeling terribly alone. And wow, I, I don't know if that's part of the breakdown in family life. I don't know if that's part of the breakdown in what it really means to be engaged in local community. What does it really look like to share life with others? And that's what accompaniment provides a vision for. Mm-hmm. It's what it, it, it provides actually an excuse for yeah. is to not be alone and to share life with others. And in, in a world that increasingly promises intimacy or fulfillment in digital platforms. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially in, you know, filling that need that we all have mm-hmm. to belong. And I think what I love so much is that accompaniment, yes, it can happen at a distance, like you're describing, you know, your relationship with other artists, for example, but it most powerfully happens in the face to face encounter with another mm-hmm. person, with the shoulder to um, shoulder movement forward yep. to come alongside another person to take off your sandals before the sacred ground that is another human life Mm -hmm. and to simply join them in their pilgrimage through life knowing that in fact this life is not all there is that there's so much to come and uh, i just find that profoundly effective profoundly fulfilling to be accompanied to be accompanying others um and i'd say i wouldn't have ever known how to do it if it hadn't been done for me first
2: Mm -hmm. me neither um There's something so isolating, like you're talking about the culture, especially the subjectivism that is like kind of the anthem of our age. Like, you know, you you just you decide what's what's good for you and which is so valid. And we're given (laughs) the ability to decide for a reason. Um, But there's something that it accomplishes. It's almost like we're being asked. We have these like really innate, really deep dreams and desires in us that just like draw us out of ourselves and and cause us to embark on this pursuit and then the culture is telling us like no 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 just go back to yourself just go you it's it's all in you you know um and so often we just like return to ourselves to find the same like aimlessness there and it's like well i feel like there needs to be like a linear like you leave and then you you pursue something other than yourself accompaniment just it by nature when you encounter another you're just pulled out of yourself there's no other way (laughs) otherwise you're not even. Interacting, uh, you there, it demands something of you, so yeah, it just it happens best when there's a there's face to face encounter, which is happening less and less in our world of so called communication. Um, that I've experienced so deeply both sides of authentic ac- accompaniment and this like counterfeit of communication, um, and I love the media <laughs> I think it's awesome and we we need it nowadays, um, but there's a really deep richness to face-to-face encounter, we're made for that. We're human beings. It's really (laughs) nicely put.
1: I mean, accompaniment, essentially, uh, it it presupposes or or it assumes that encounter is already in place, Mm -hmm. right? You you can't really get to the point of accompaniment until there first has been an encounter with the other. And I think what I love so much about this, I'm thinking about teachers, coaches, uh, some of the the mentors of my childhood and adolescence well into college, in some cases they, they knew me better than I knew myself, mm-hmm. and they knew how to bring out the best in me and out of those relationships, I was forced to come out of myself yeah. uh, because I saw them so joyfully and clearly out of themselves uh, and therefore in a position to to give of themselves to me right mm-hmm. so I was on the receiving end of what we call accompaniment for so many years before I ever had the opportunity to to give it to anybody else. And I think that is so much what um, accompaniment uh, it does. It it brings us back home. It brings us back to the meaning of things and the meaning of our own lives. That the people who accompany me well are constantly speaking the truth. Mm-hmm. The truth of who I am and the truth of what my life is about. And doing it with great intentionality and great love. It's absolutely uh, what love good is built upon. Because day in and day out, we are, we are doing this with artists. We're doing this with young people. We're doing this with each other. We're doing this with our apprentices who are out there every single day in schools, mm-hmm. investing in young people, accompanying them as well. So it really is a privileged place uh, to be in a relationship like that. And, and frankly, like, like you're alluding to, that the world of social media, as good and as effective as it is, if it doesn't ultimately lead to real accompaniment, uh, it just leaves me feeling really empty and dry.
2: Mm-hmm. Me too. I think we all experience a lot of media that's a counterfeit of relationship. Um, and it's almost one-sided where so much of it is someone else putting themselves out there and it's all about expression and and even sharing their story, which is so good and beautiful. But without invitation and without welcoming us into it, it's kind of empty and it, and it doesn't lead to a relationship. So just as good art, is supposed to welcome us into the journey of the artist really in their pursuit of of beauty and of and of truth so do our lives have to be and you don't have to be an artist to make a masterpiece of your life and that's done by simply welcoming others into it and walking alongside them and and sharing your journey with them And a lot of musicians and artists do that really beautifully, but that's a universal call for all of us. It's what makes us human. If we're not sharing ourselves with others and inviting others in, letting ourselves be known by one another, uh, then we're not living in the fullness of what it means to be human uh, because relationship, as we all experience, is at the heart of things. Um, No one is going to survive for very long and thrive on on an isolated island, and we're not meant to live that way.
1: One of the great paradoxes that's about to hit this episode of the Love Good Podcast is that somebody could be so engaged in what often feels artificial, Mm -hmm. the world of Mm -hmm. social media. I mean, we're talking hundreds of thousands of followers north of a billion combined views on their YouTube channel, and yet deeply caring about the human person that Mm -hmm. is their fan, that is their fan base. And it's not just about inspiring people to download their next album, but it's actually about accompaniment and about journeying with them through life. So as we all know, Catherine Cimarelli is going to be here momentarily to talk about what it really means to stand, not just on a stage in front of thousands of people across the globe at times, Mm -hmm. and really proclaiming the truth of love and the truth of femininity uh, alongside her five sisters who are in the internationally acclaimed pop sensation group, Cimarelli. You know, like, come on, they're awesome. And yet, They know that none of that means anything if they're not actually engaged in accompaniment on the ground. So Mm -hmm. in a few moments, we'll have Catherine in the studio talking about silence, talking about poetry, talking about accompaniment and what that really looks like for even her and her sisters as internationally known and loved artists. Thanks, as always, for setting the stage for that. We'll see you next week.
2: Yes. See you next time. Thanks so much.
1: And it hurts a little when they say you're happy because a part of me still wishes you smile because of me. You're listening to the Love Good Podcast. That was If It Isn't You from the brand new album by Cimarelli called Sad Girls Club. We are, in fact, in the studio with Katherine Cimarelli herself. Welcome, Catherine.
3: Thank you so much.
1: You know, we're really just so happy to have you back in the studio. I think it was about a year and a half ago that you were here with your sisters, and you'll have since released two new albums and a book that we're going to hear about a little bit later. But Catherine, I know, like me, you're often traveling. You're waking up in new cities all over the world. Based on a conversation we had recently, it sounds like actually some of your most inspired and creative moments occur in planes, about forty thousand feet above sea level. Yeah, right?
3: it's funny. I actually didn't realize that um, until. I had coffee with a friend last year and he pointed out, he was like, yeah, I keep up with your, your poetry blog. And I noticed that you write like a lot of your best poems on planes. And so I didn't even make that connection until he said that. I was like, you're right. I never thought about that. But my intention is that I want to experience and taste everything. And so I kind of have this personality that's like, kind of says yes to everything and wants to be a part of the community wants to be a part of all the social gatherings wants to volunteer wants to be involved but at the same time I've had a really hard time with limits so I've created this life for myself that just has a lot of noise and a lot of craziness and something that it's kind of like my lifelong struggle is like how do I temper that and so on planes it's like there's nowhere to run from your life and you know I don't have phone service. I'm, I'm not going to pay $7 for the Wi-Fi. I mean, come on, let's be real. Mm. Um, and so it's just me and my notebook and my pen. And maybe there's free movies and I'll do that. But there's always at least a few hours there where I'm just sitting and thinking, and kind of reflecting on everything. So it's I really
1: incredible because I totally resonate with that. Apart from the moments where I'm just so tired from an event or so kind of in the zone of needing to, I don't know, catch up on some ridiculous Netflix series, which is actually pretty rare for me. Maybe it's a book. Um, But there's a lot of moments when you're, you know, a few thousand feet above sea level uh, where there's very little distraction that does allow for a lot of that deeper reflection. So you talked about noise. I find increasingly that noise, especially within me, so maybe the noise that is in my soul is often a running away from things or just a a way of kind of remaining distracted. And and last night I was just talking with a group of friends about silence is scary really because it it forces us to a place of real reflection. We have to reckon with ourselves in the silence. And it sounds like for you there's there's obviously a, a peacefulness in who you are and, and, and who you are becoming, which is to say those moments of silence give way to creativity. They give way to giving of yourself versus uh, so many people I know and myself at times. Actually, that silence just makes me anxious. Mm. So what is it that you think allows that to turn into these incredible moments of creativity? Um, and, and what is it about silence that even cultivates that creativity, you think?
3: Mm, that's, oh, that's a good question. Um, first of all, something comes to mind. Um, I read, I can't remember where it was, but an article or a book, maybe a year or so ago, and a priest was saying that, I think it was a priest, this could be wrong, I don't want to misquote this, but the, the meat of it is what matters. He was saying that, he was talking to a group of students about how awesome it is to go to adoration, and So he was encouraging these students to go and several of the students came back to him and they said, you know, father, I don't know what's wrong with me, but I've been going to adoration and every time I go, I'm just filled with anger or I'm filled with anxiety. And I think I should stop going because it's just forcing me, you know, it's making me into this person that I don't like. And he was kind of talking about how, um it doesn't make you like that. It's, it's revealing to you what's beneath. And I mean, I've definitely have a a lot of moments where I enter into more of a silent moment, usually maybe against my will where there is, I do uncover anxiety for sure. That's definitely a big part of um, something that I struggle with. But, um, in terms of the creativity, I wrote this little poem when I was a teenager. Um, and it was just, it was more of actually just like uh, two lines, but it was, um, Something like being a poet is simply this choosing to, or like choosing to see the magic in the world and believing that you must write it down. So I think, I think it's sort of all about perspective. For me, I kind of like to think that I think God made me a writer because he wanted me to kind of reveal the magic that I see in the world to others. And so even within like the pain and the darkness and the the monotonous things in day-to-day life, I, I don't know, being a writer, being a poet, that kind of like forces me to look at it in like this lens of beauty and, um, just finding like the deeper and unique things in the ordinary things. So Mm. that's kind of where it all comes from. I don't know.
1: It's really beautiful that you call yourself a poet because I think we are sorely, devoid of poets in the world today, you know? And I think that is why we are so drawn to like, deeper, profound lyricism, right? Because that's one of the few lasting expressions of, of poetry, at least in the um, media-driven society that we have and technology-driven. Mm. I, I cannot remember the last time I just sat down with a book of poems mm. and a cup of coffee or a glass of scotch and just soaked it in, you know? <laughs> yeah. And actually, I've always had a hard time with poetry. So, Here's what I'd I'd like to ask then is, is there poets out there that have deeply inspired you that you think would be accessible to the average person? So, gosh, I'll I'll probably never quite get Shakespeare. I want to. (laughs) I really want to. Dante has always been way more daunting than anything you know <laughs> I don't know if that was a pun yeah but, that uh, was super funny <laughs> yeah I, I, I do know that there's certain uh, modern day poets like Dana Gioia used mm. to be the yeah,
3: I love Dana Joya.
1: chairman of the National Endowment for the Arts I mean this guy mm. was in a majorly influential position for like six or eight years I ended up having a meal with him in Phoenix, Arizona about two years ago. And after that, I was sold because the guy was just so real. And his poetry for me is really accessible. Like I can Mm. read it and get it and not feel like I'm banging my head up against the wall. Mm. So are there poets out there like Dana Joya that you'd recommend people uh, check out themselves?
3: Ooh, that's a good question. I don't want this to sound bad, but I don't really like most of the poetry that I've read. (laughs) I mean, I'm just being totally honest here. Um, My favorite poet has always been Langston Hughes. Mm. I just love um, his voice. I feel like I can hear his like physical voice when I read his poetry. It's just like this beautiful rhythm and cadence that he has. Um, I don't know. That's hard because for me, the way that I approach poetry is, I think, different than maybe what people think of poetry because poetry is kind of this like lost art I feel like it's not Mm. super common it's not really that popular um, but for me it's always been something that when I was a little kid I started writing poems just to entertain my siblings and it was kind of just to make them laugh And then when I was a teenager, it became more about expressing these deep teenage emotions. And then as I got older, it still was like this um, release of emotion, but it also was sort of like this means of contemplation and seeking beauty and seeking meaning in the painful and broken things that I was experiencing. So for me, poetry has been this very natural process that I like it's 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 an unconscious thing. Like I don't premeditate anything I write. It's just it's like I I just get one line and then I go from there and it's Mm. like I'm just following this thing that I can't really explain. So when you read my poems, it's like they're very easy to comprehend. It's like this stream of consciousness. And I haven't really found other poets out there that are like that, where I read it and I'm like, wow, Mm. I totally know what this person was going for. I, I understand what they were going through. When I write poetry, I don't write it for an audience. I write it for myself, but in the hopes that sharing it with an audience, they'll find something of themselves in it and connect to it and know that they're not alone. Mm. So it's
1: I don't really know, cool. but
3: poetry is, eh, I, n- I don't really like most
1: of what I've read. It's so funny. <laughs> oh. No, I, I i guess in a way that makes a lot of sense. I, I love the way you described there at the end, the way that poetry really like all things beautiful uh, unites people. It sort of puts us all in the same level of human experience that we can tap into these things that sort of transcend any particular culture or any particular person or time, gender, race. It's these things that we all can understand because we're human. Mm -hmm. It's amazing. So for those of us who are listening and perhaps hearing about Cimarelli for the first time, let's get some perspective on this. How many combined views do y'all have on YouTube at the moment? Because last I checked, it was approaching a billion?
3: Yeah. Everybody
1: just, a billion, everybody, a billion combined (laughs) views on YouTube. Uh, That's a lot of people's life ambition, whether whether that's good (laughs) or bad, I don't know, but you guys have certainly uh, done an amazing thing over the last several years, and it seems like the timing would be right, because you've been journeying, especially with young women all over the planet, for crying Mm. out loud. And the more you are able to open up your own soul and the joys and the struggles therein, the more they're able to identify. Right. So Mm -hmm. it's kind of amazing that you've built this obvious trust uh, with your fans and they have a a clear love and respect for you all. So anyways, this is really interesting and and cool because you guys have also released a book uh, quite recently as well. Um, but very much with the hope of sharing your own lessons and your own wisdom and your own stories with these young people all over the world. Tell us a little bit about that.
3: Yeah, totally. Um, We put out our first book in um, December 2016. It's called Lessons Learned. And I'm especially really passionate about this project. I was the one that edited it and put the whole thing together and just kind of like, kind of poked and prodded my sisters to get all their writing And it was a labor of love. It took over a year to put it together from start to finish. Um, But it was inspired by our fans. So through Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, we have a really close connection with our fans. And they've opened up and shared a lot of stories. And these are mainly like teenage girls is probably the biggest um, age range. And they're um, constantly asking for our advice and our perspective on some really intense life issues. So we had this idea to write a book that's kind of like, basically having an older sister, and we kind of sat down and brainstormed what are the things that we get asked the most and came up with seven different topics from spirituality to boys to family, friendships, relationship with your body. There's some career advice in there, Um, and we put that together and we've been getting a really good response from it. And I just hope that it can reach every teenage girl that needs like an older sister um, who they can count on or you can kind of just flip to the section of whatever it is that you're going through. And there's probably going to be something that's going to speak to that situation. So really excited about that.
1: It's really amazing. I I recognize how different our lives are in so many ways, but also there's some consistent parallels, right? Mm -hmm. So obviously we believe in the power of beauty to change the world. We believe in you know, coming alongside young people in this art of accompaniment, you know, standing shoulder to shoulder with them through the joys and the struggles of life. And this kind of role that you're playing, even at a distance as an older sister, I just want to affirm that because it is so powerful and it is Thank so you. fruitful and young people are crying out for it. And you know, mm, they just they don't have, in most cases, strong father figures, even, um, Women in their life, be that their own mom or a mentor Mm. at school, and very rarely do they have an older brother and an older sister who really deeply cares. You know, Mm. so I just love what y'all are doing, and frankly, I'm just really pleased that we're able, you know, to have conversations like this, to to sort of be on the journey uh, together, even as friends and as artists and as people who believe that actually there's so much more than what this world is offering us Mm. most of the time. And to just sometimes give people a glimpse into that is enough. Certainly the hope is to just give people a little bit of perspective, thoughtful, thoughtful, Uh, even at times inspiring sort of uh, food to chew on, you know, and that can be for their soul. It can be for their intellect. And we've got a lot of different people now contributing to our blog, thought leaders, poets, artists from across the world. We've got a couple from New Zealand, uh, one from England, a couple currently living and studying in Rome and then people all over the country uh, who, of course, uh, contributing their own thoughts about what it really means to be human. And uh, I'm just really pleased that you're also a part of that.
3: Yeah, totally. I was super happy when you reached out and um, told me that you were putting together this blog and having all these contributors and very honored that you thought of me because writing has always been my great love in the creative world. So I'm really excited that I'll get to share some stuff. I don't know. I always think of young women when I write. That's like the people that I always am connecting with and wanting to share my stories. And so I'm definitely um, hoping to shed some light on just finding meaning and finding beauty in all of it
1: so exciting In just a few moments we'll bring you back on we want to hear a a book recommendation perhaps some music that you're listening to right now so everybody just uh stay tuned Well, it's time for everyone's favorite segment of the Love Good Podcast. Here we are with how to build culture with Jessamine Anderson.
0: (laughs) Hello, Jimmy. How are you doing this week?
1: Really good. I mean, this has been an intense week. Let's face it, we have (laughs) literally just staged and executed a complete digital relaunch in a matter of I don't know how many weeks. (laughs) And it seems like in the last, like, 10 days, everything just feels new and exciting, and that's really cool. And obviously, a big part of that is this podcast, and especially... What you are bringing to the table, which is reminding us more and more like, how can we ourselves build culture? Pra- practically speaking, how can we take steps forward? to actually build this culture that we have always imagined. So what is it that you got for us this week, Jessamyn?
0: Well, I know that you have been talking to Catherine and Jenea about accompaniment and what that looks like in our lives. And I think that I've been around it my entire life and not been aware of what to call it. But I've seen it in action more beautifully than ever before with the apprentices that are working with Lovegood this year. We
1: talk often In-house about the apprentices being the tip of the arrow. You know, our new logo has this arrow that is sort of in the shape of a heart, and it's meant to call to mind the great power of beauty as it pierces you, and it wounds you, and it leaves you in that state of wonder and then you can't help but want to trace the arrow back to its source, right? So in the case of these young men, far more powerful than literature, music, films, books. It's it's actually the witness of their lives. So here's what I really want to know, Jessamine: Can I be a Love Good Apprentice?
0: <laughs> Jimmy, unfortunately, you're a little past the age bracket, but all people between the ages of 18 and 22 are welcome to apply. Our applications are open until December 1st. You All you have to do is go to lovegoodculture.com slash apply. Fill out the application, follow the instructions, and we are so excited to read through all of the things that are coming in. We've already had 10 amazing applicants from across the world. There are international opportunities here, and we're so excited to see where this takes us.
1: It's really cool. Really cool. I mean, I'm just calling to mind my own experience of applying for college that was a little bit crazy and a little bit stressful, but so many young people I know who perhaps don't really want to be drowning in debt after four years of an education that perhaps they weren't even looking for or they didn't really know what direction to take it in or... You know, some in some cases it's less about the debt and more about just not wanting to spiritually drift for four years. And, and so I'm I'm like over here like watching these apprentices thrive who very much fall into that category. And I just have to think there's more young people out there. In fact, even if you're out there listening, you may not be a young person, but you're you're likely gonna know somebody who is about to graduate high school or is still in the midst of their late teenage, early 20-something years and would benefit from a year of cultivating the art of being human. So definitely check it out, Jessamine. Thank you so much for the uh, real practical advice here of how we can build that culture by especially inspiring and empowering young people to live that art of being human. And obviously a very tangible way to do that is to apply for the Love Good Apprenticeship before the applications close on December 1st. As always, Jessamine it's to joy. We'll see you next week.
0: Thanks, Jimmy. See you next week.
1: Welcome back, everybody. We're here with Catherine Cimarelli. Catherine, thanks. You've spent just such an amazing amount of time uh, discussing the things that really matter about life, uh, poetry and beauty and uh, accompaniment, particularly what you guys are doing uh, in the lives of young women all over the world, how you're somehow like hopping off of planes from Shanghai and uh, Nashville and everywhere in between <laughs> and just doing this really beautiful thing that is Cimarelli. And then you, of course, as a, a writer and the poems that I'm so eager to read. So, anyways, I'm just pleased, uh, so beyond pleased that you've been able to be with us today. Could you just give us a few recommendations, perhaps, of uh, albums you're listening to, books that you've read recently, uh, things that have been perhaps an inspiration to you over the last few months?
3: Totally. Yeah. Um, I love sharing recommendations with others. Like That's probably my favorite thing with my friends. I'm always like, you have to read this. You have to listen to this. Um, so my favorite book right now is by my favorite author. I'm actually reading it for the second time. I've read all of her books four to five times. Um, my favorite author is Shauna Nequist, and she wrote a book called Present Over Perfect. And it's a really strong captivating message that I need to hear and I think a lot of people can relate to just about finding meaning in stillness and trying to overcome the the need to people please and to fill up your life with noise and busyness and just trying to really connect with the people that are right in front of you rather than trying to please strangers and all these different people. So I find a lot of meaning um, in that book and an amazing album. One of my favorites that I have come back to time and time again. It's actually the album that I've probably written the most poetry to is um, called Oceans. And it's by an artist called Sleeping at Last. Mm. And he's one of my favorite artists. He's based in Chicago. I actually saw him in concert when I lived in L.A. He's amazing. Um, It's an instrumental album. And each um, piece of music has like... All these things like whale sounds, and one, I think one of them is like the beating, the sound of his um, child in his wife's womb, her, their heartbeat. And just like these beautiful things are encompassed on this album. So if you're trying to reflect on life or create something, but you don't want the distraction of lyrics, Oceans by Sleeping at Last.
1: It's really good. Actually, a lot of people need music like that in the background when they're writing, when they're yeah. studying, when they're creating. Because you, like you said, it, it not only doesn't distract you it, in some ways, it even helps you focus a bit and find that that inspiration that you need okay that's great and then how can we stay in touch with you with your sisters how can we go and buy the book and listen to the album
3: yeah so um if you want to keep up with me and all my random musings <laughs> i am on twitter a lot my twitter is at kath sim K-A-T-H-C-I-M. You can check out my sisters and my YouTube channel, which is youtube.com slash Cimarelli the band. And if you want to get our book, it's on pledgemusic.com slash Cimarelli. And our album, you can get that on Spotify, iTunes, Apple Music, pretty much everywhere. Just search Cimarelli and it'll come up.
1: Yeah, and you just never know when Summerella is going to be coming on a tour or even just a a one-night event in a town near you. So go to the website, find a way to see them live, Uh, check out their music on iTunes and everywhere else in the book Lessons Learned. Catherine, it's been such a joy to be with you, and I look forward to doing this again sometime.
3: Thank you so much.
1: You're listening to the Love Good podcast that was last summer by Cimarelli from their brand new album, Sad Girls Club. What a joy to have Catherine Cimarelli herself in the studio. I mean, there's so much depth and so much artistry and so much goodness in her. I know for me, it's just a real privilege anytime I have an opportunity to sit down and chat with her. In fact, This doesn't just happen in the studio. Catherine is one of those people I love to grab a cup of coffee with, love to catch up over a meal with. There's just always so much beauty in her soul and so much uh, interesting and really incredible things going on in her mind, and she is just an absolute encouragement to be around. I hope everybody enjoyed that interview as much as I did. We're now at the point in the Love Good podcast where we have a listener, Colin. This week we have Brock Hess, who's actually left us a voice memo by email all the way from Atchison, Kansas. Check it out. So hey, This is Broadcast. I'm a freshman at Benedictine College in Atchison, Kansas. Um, being new to college, I've noticed that it's a fantastic place to meet new people. And I I met tons of people, but I haven't really like known a lot of people. So I noticed you've been talking about accompaniment on this episode and wondering if you had any suggestions about how to go about um, rooting that friendship into something bigger than ourselves or uh, making it more intentional. Uh, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. Rooting friendship in something bigger than ourselves and being intentional. Brock, those are some really brilliant questions. And in fact, I don't think there's any question that would be more important for an 18, 19 year old freshman in college to be asking. You know, who you become in those four years at college is often who you remain and, and who you stay for the rest of your life, right? It's one of the most formative times of your entire life. So it's an important thing to surround yourself with people that you actually admire, that you would be very content to see yourself uh, become. P- people that, yes, can mentor you. So those those mentoring relationships are so important and so key, Uh, But also those people that we stand shoulder to shoulder with, because those friends that we spend most of our time with are often the people we become. So being intentional and actually even once we have been intentional in seeking friendship, then in deepening it, uh, we'll find nothing but blessing. Uh, I know that over and again in my life, friendships have meant the world to me. And I just decided, I think this was probably about 15 years ago, that I was never again going to wait for a phone call, wait for someone else to be intentional, that in fact, there was only so many hours in a day and days in a life. And that meant I wanted to spend time with the people that I knew were going to change me for the better. And so I didn't wait for them to reach out. I just began... um, giving without counting the cost, I suppose, reaching out to people that I knew I wanted to be around, even if they weren't reaching out to me in the first place. And then with time, you just find yourself surrounded by community and surrounded by people uh, that certainly uh, keep us from feeling anything but isolated. By the way, every week you can call in with a question. Next week, we're going to be talking with Luke Smallbone. This is a really big interview. He's one of the two frontmen for for King and Country. I mean, these guys are absolutely taking the world by storm right now. They are at the top of their game in the world of Christian music, but also have loads of crossover into the mainstream world again. And with Luke, we'll be talking about family life. We'll be talking about the, the suffering that actually can bring about incredible redemption in our lives. We'll also be talking about what we call the Love Good Standard. You know, How do we engage with popular culture, mainstream media, with standards? So if you want to call in and ask a question about any of those things for next week, all you have to do is email us a voice memo or an audio recording at content at lovegoodculture.com. By the way, as you always know, we're on the road. See where Love Good is going to be coming next, and hopefully that'll be to a city near you. And again, don't forget to download the free winter sampler. That's lovegoodculture.com. All you got to do is type in your name, your email address, your zip code, and you're going to be getting a sneak peek of all of our best new content, music, books, and art. This is Jimmy Mitchell again, and it's been an absolute privilege hosting this podcast. We cannot wait to see you next week. God bless.
0: Thank you for tuning in to the Love Good Podcast. Tell your friends all about us, stay in touch on social media, and be sure to stop by iTunes or Stitcher to give us a review. Massive thanks to all of our patrons who make this podcast possible. On top of being a media discovery platform and crowdfunding initiative, we are a grassroots movement that accompanies young people and artists who are transforming culture with beauty. Our patrons are on the front lines of discovering the world's best new music, books, and art before anyone else build the culture you've always imagined. Join the movement and become a patron today at lovegoodculture.com.